Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Bills Mafia? Fernando Shimudi here with another Leading the Charge. Today, talking about preseason and, and training camps having been finished and preseason is starting just around the corner. And I have the pleasure to add Nate for Circling the Wagons podcast. Welcome, Nate. So thank you so much for accepting my invitation and being here with us to, to talk about preseason and, and training camps. The house is yours. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me on, Fernando. I've been following you for a while, so um, it's cool that we can finally hook up like this. And I'm actually going to the game on Saturday, so I'm actually more excited about that. I'm taking my seven-year-old for the first time. He's going to experience uh, a Bills game, Bills Mafia, and stuff like that. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Thanks, thanks, I appreciate it. Awesome, man, awesome. I've been lucky recently because uh... – I had Anthony last week, and he was ready to go to the scrimmage, you know, and watch the scrimmage and, and follow it closely. And now I have Nate with me today, and he's ready to go to the game, so we can have a great talk about this Bills football. And finally, football is back. We can finally say it out loud because, yes, it's preseason, but there is a lot to see. There is a lot to still talk about during this preparation for the next season, right, Nate? With a lot of competitions going on and, and training camp just ending in a, on a high note with McDermott really uh, calling it very productive. And so I want to start talking about this, this training camp so we can close it out and then focus on the game. And with all those competitions, how do you feel about... Uh, do you have some, some horses on those races or people who you are rooting for or or you are just hoping for the best and whoever wins wins and you will root for them anyway how do you feel about those competitions man uh so there so there's a few different competitions you know we've been watching since or we've been you know picking out since before the preseason or training camp even started right so like you know you have middle linebacker cornerback two um even slot wide receiver uh right guard you know, with the addition of Osiris Torn. So, so there's a lot of things that I've been paying attention to. Like there's, so there's good battles and then there's like, eh, like let's hope somebody emerges. So, so the good ones are like right guard, right? Like, cause no matter what, you know, we have um, some talent there between um, Ryan Bates and the rookie Osiris Torrance. Um, you know, my co-host, John, he loves Osiris Torrance. He lo- I mean, we all love shiny new toys, right? Like, yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's what he Especially is. Especially when a guy is powerful as he is, right? Yeah, exactly. He's he's a demon. He's a monster, right? So, so I'm really excited about him. I just think that knowing this coaching staff, 
especially after seeing the depth chart, they had Ryan Bates listed as their starting right guard. It wasn't like a, you know, like they did with middle linebacker, like Tyrell Dotson slash, you know, Terrell Bernard, you know, or like cornerback two, where it was like Dean Jackson slash Kyrie Elam slash, you know, Christian Benford. Like it wasn't like that for right guard. Right guard is Ryan Bates unless there's an injury or unless Osiris Torrance just shows up. So I've been paying attention to that. I think that they're going to stay conservative with that. Bates has the experience, you know, uh, standing between Morse and Spencer Brown for all of last season and even longer than that being a left guard. So he has experience with those guys. Um, I think that that's a position, especially in pass blocking, you do not want to miss out on. So, I mean, it's it's one thing like, you know, if cornerback two isn't the greatest or whatever, you can switch him out for another guy. It's like, but no, when you're protecting your franchise quarterback, you better be sure that you have the right guy that can handle that, um, that knows everything. And I think Osiris Torrance is the maybe pr- potentially the better long-term answer. You know, just like Dorian Williams might be potentially the better long-term answer at middle linebacker, even though he hasn't gotten any snaps at middle linebacker seems in camp. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that they're just they're, they're just going a more conservative route, and, and I completely respect that, and I get that. Um, so so I'm excited for that. Um, cornerback two, uh, now, again, just like right guard, it's like, you know, just we have some good options. Just We'll just take the best option out of the three. Um, so I, I don't really care necessarily who it is. I, it's kind of disappointing it's not Kair Elam, if I'm being honest. It's kind of disappointing just because of his first round draft status he is the more athletic cornerback of all three he was the highest picked out of all three um there was a lot of excitement when he was drafted and he just can't see i mean he he made some really flashy plays last season for the buffalo bills and there was a, a few interceptions he ended that dolphins playoff game with that breakup on jillian waddle like that was his play on fourth down i believe and you know so there's a lot so then when you know ota starting they're like well he's not necessarily you know, going to be handed the starting job. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a little weird, but okay. Yeah. Well, you know, he doesn't, they don't necessarily want to hand guys the jobs or whatever. You know, they, they usually stay pretty, pretty uh, mums the word on, on starting positions. But uh, the more that's gone on, like he's gotten some reps. I don't know if it's a matter of he's just not ready versus the other guys are doing yeah. great or vice versa. So um, again, not, not the worst thing in the world, but, but, you know, it's something to keep your eye on. I, My favorites, though, I mean, Ryan Bates. I, I love Ryan Bates, you know, but I love the the potential of Osiris Torrance. I love Kair Elam's potential, but I love the idea of drafting a six-round cornerback in Christian Benford that could potentially, you know, be a be a starter on this team long-term. So I love that idea. Um, other other roles, like wide receiver three. Like, we don't really talk mm-hmm. about that a whole lot. I think, I think we all figured it would be Khalil Shakir, but it sounds like it's been going between – Shakir and Hardy so I'm excited all I want honestly is someone that's maybe not as good as Cole Beasley I don't think we'll find someone like that but someone that's better than Isaiah McKenzie yeah Uh, for sure I I think Isaiah McKenzie um, I think he was a great locker room guy I think he had a lot of potential he could just never put it together on the field after like five or six seasons so um, and you think about last season where the Bills really struggled was in that slot position because Jameson Crowder was injured and McKenzie just never really panned out. They just never got on the same page chemistry-wise. So when when we're talking about, you know, preseason football, like those guys, like I'm really interested to see when the bullets are flying how well they're going to do because scrimmages are different. You know, yeah. the non-padded practices or padded, padded practices. I mean, you know, when, we, when we're going to look, you know, towards the preseason – um, I mean, not necessarily those battles, because I think 
you know, those battles are definitely going to be, I mean, well, the middle linebacker battle as it is right now, I mean, Tyrell Dotson's got the job because Terrell Bernard is injured, right? So, yeah. I mean, barring some crazy unforeseen circumstance, I imagine that Tyrell Dodson is going to be the leader in the clubhouse going into the season. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. Yeah, Especially are... with a, a muscular problem, those tends to linger. And, and, and so I feel bad for Bernard for for having this issue right now when he was so close to, to being able to maybe win this job, right? But I feel like Dodson has been one of the biggest. And that's one of the things that I want to ask you today. I feel like Dodson has been one of the biggest winners in this in during these training camps because uh, I really believe the plan, Nate, to, to this middle linebacker was like going Bernard and maybe later on moving to, to Dorian in time when he's ready. But those are guys who, when, when Bean had that interview talking about Edmonds maybe not being a, a, an interchangeable piece with Milano, when you look at those guys, those maybe are the guys who might be able to be interchangeable with Milano. Dodson, again, he can play at his best, but he won't be an interchangeable piece with Milano. So he might not be the, the, the kind of linebacker they really want alongside Milano. So that's why I feel like the plan was Bernard. And maybe if, if, if he doesn't pan out Dorian later and Dodson could never hand out the job. He was like, no, I'm going to play so well that they will need to consider me and give me a shot. I feel like this about Dodson, and he's probably getting his shot at least during the, this first part of preseason, right? Yeah, I love that you brought up Dodson being a winner because I, I agree with you. I mean, he never gave up that job to Terrell Bernard. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, it hats off to Terrell Bernard because he never played middle linebacker in college. He didn't line up there last season. Uh, and he wasn't, I mean, there was, there was a big learning curve from being Matt Milano's understudy, which he didn't do too great at when given the opportunity uh, versus, you know, him taking on a whole new role uh, in middle linebacker and take it like, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for being able to, you know, compete for that and, and almost get it. But Tyrell Dodson, man, like they, they've been trying to like, they like him. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah. you know, last season when Tremaine Edmonds was down, I think it was like three and a half games. He didn't play. The backup was Tyrell Dodson for two and a half of those games. And then they must not have liked what they saw because they brought in A.J. Klein for that last game. I forget exactly. I don't know if it was the Vikings the Lions game or something like that. I can't remember which one it was. But I believe uh, it was the Vikings game. I'm not Vikings sure. game? Okay, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they tried to replace him there. If you notice, like, any of the training camp notes I've read, it doesn't sound like A.J. Klein's getting any run in middle linebacker. So... Like it sounds like he's he's won that role, um, and and staved off AJ Klein. So, uh, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, again, I don't know if that's a matter of he's just that good, or the Bills just don't have a lot of depth at that role specifically. But yeah, I mean, credit credit to him. I mean, it's funny if you really look at it. So we did a podcast um, for Circling the Wagons where we said who's going to be the next middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, like based on. And if you look at Dorian Williams, Terrell Bernard. Uh, Tyrell Dodson, even AJ Klein, I mean, they're all within like, like six foot to six foot one. They're all between like two twenty five to two thirty five pounds. They're all almost the same exact player size wise. So there's no, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, <laughs> you know, comparable yeah. size wise. There, there never is really in the NFL in general. But 
Um, I, I went into it thinking, okay, they're going to use Terrell Bernard, AJ Klein on potential rundowns and then bring in, um, I'm sorry, Tyrell Dodson, AJ Klein, and then bring in Terrell Bernard for like pass downs because he's much better in coverage than Tyrell Dodson. But um, we haven't really seen anything like that. It's going to be interesting, but uh, yeah. And, and I think honestly, like unless Tyrell Dodson stands out like crazy this season, I think they're either going to give it to Dorian Williams or Terrell Bernard next season or draft someone else. Um, I think that's the long-term answer, but I mean, you know, maybe it's not, maybe we found something, maybe it clicks in year four or five or whatever it is for, for Tyrell Dodson. And, and, you know, we'll see from there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Because when you think Tyrell Dodson, you wouldn't think like, Oh, okay. That's a guy you want to stay on the field for three downs. But when you hear McDermott talking about that position, uh, that's the green dot guy. He won't be comfortable maybe taking him out of the field on, on passing downs and things like that because who's going to call the plays then? And, and so that's a position that ideally play all the snaps, right, for, on the defensive side of the ball. And I feel like Dodson has been a winner because he has showed enough to, to make the McDermott and the coaching staff believe he can stay on the field on those passing downs. Probably with Dodson being the first one to get the shot during the season, we can see more of Taylor Rapp on clear third and long situations or something like that. But I really believe it will it will be a matter of how well the entire defense can play with Dodson as the middle linebacker, you know. Maybe if the defense struggles uh, early against the Jets, against the Raiders, maybe it, it's an opportunity, a door opening to Bernard get the job and, and get his opportunity. Uh, but not only Dodson struggling, you know, because maybe Dodson can just play as we saw in the past, doing his job, not popping out, but not being awful. And if the defense plays well this way entirely around him, okay, that's good. You don't need to mess up with this. But if the defense struggles, they might go this direction of going to a guy who fits better the mode of what they believe, having two guys like Matt Milano, they can send... Uh, via blitzes or they can drop in coverage, run with tight ends, run with even some slot receivers, then I don't see Dodson being able to to do this part of the game, you know, and maybe Bernard and, and Dorian uh, fit better if they ask this for, for their middle linebacker. That's my expectation. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And when you talked about Bates, it's good to hear from you, Nate, about being a fan of Bates because I'm also a big fan of Ryan Bates. I felt really bad when everybody it seemed like like everybody had the opportunity to to get a shot at that, that offensive line back in the day when they were struggling. Everybody but Ryan Bates. And when he finally got his shot, he showed that he was by far the best option there, right? And improved our, our level of offensive line play. 
And now again, maybe with Torrance being this shiny new toy, a powerful guy, a people mover, a guy who can add something that we don't have in this offensive line. Uh, I really don't feel like Bates is worse than McGovern, you know? I, I I actually would like to see more of McGovern and to see if we really can say that Bates isn't a better option than McGovern, but McGovern is also a shiny new toy, so Bates is in, is in a bad spot right now, I, I believe. What do you think about it? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about Ryan Bates and his struggle to get on the roster because uh not in the roster i'm sorry in the starting lineup because yeah. if you remember it was the 2021 season so two seasons ago it was the 13 second season the bills were struggling offensively and then it wasn't until they had a few injuries at guard left guard that they finally put in ryan bates there and then that offensive line as a unit looked like a completely different offensive line they were able to run the ball up the middle which was you know almost unheard of up until that point Mm -hmm. they were able to protect josh allen longer he had time i mean i'm convinced all things being equal like that was one of the major reasons why they went on a run like they did is because for once josh allen had a solidified offensive line at probably up until that point, the best offensive line he had in front of him because they had Deion Dawkins, Ryan Bates now, which I'm still convinced he might be better at left guard than right guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he had Ryan Bates, Mitch Morris, which we love. And then they had uh, was Daryl Williams at right guard and Spencer Brown at right tackle, I believe. So, like, they had, they had good pieces in place, and they were actually able to run to the left side of the line. And they, and they look good. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I thought they looked so good between the, the Patriots playoff game and the Chiefs playoff game. Um, so, so I, but you know, like I haven't heard a ton about Connor McGovern. This, I, I heard he's been like, okay, right? Like, so, so he is the shiny new toy. He is the big free agent acquisition that the Bills have that they invested the most amount of money in. Um, and I think he sounds like he's okay. Like, he sounds like he's doing his job, not overly great because they gave David Edwards, you know, the, the starting guard from the Rams that they acquired in the offseason, they gave him some reps to it at uh over Connor mcgovern so just probably to see just to get him in there just to get some chemistry but um yeah i mean i went in thinking that this offensive interior offensive line was going to be you know the best it's ever been and i still think it is on paper but we'll see when when the bullets are flying we'll see through some of these preseason games i'm sure uh how it is but no i, I really like ryan bates like you i can't remember honestly i can't remember the the initial question you asked fernando if, if i answered it let me know if i didn't <laughs> yeah you did you did yeah about bates about feeling bad about him being so late to take his advantage and now like we have mcgovern we have torrance and he's again the odd man out maybe right and i and i remember uh an interview from from the former titans left tackle uh just forgot his name, man. People it's, it's, not, it's not Tyron Smith, is it? Lewan, Taylor Lewan. Taylor, Taylor Lewan. Lewan. Okay, yep. Yes, and, and he was talking uh, during the combine. And I remember the... I think it was Rich Eisen who asked him if he could play right tackle. And he said, no, no way he could play right tackle because it was he was awful there. He was like, no, you can put anybody but me there and they will, be a, they will do a better job than me at right tackle. And he mentioned something like, uh, the, uh, when you are on offensive line, and if you do too many things, you are the last one to be picked because they will have you as that that great backup guy who can play everywhere. 
but not start, you know. And I feel like Bates is falling uh, in this this tier of offensive linemen for so many people, and I feel bad for him because I really like the way he plays, how smart he is, how he can really uh, be sound technically and and help this offensive line to play well. Yeah, yeah, I, you're you're right. It does kind of. I mean, if you're good at what is it? What do they say that the, the uh, jack of all trades, master of none, right? Yeah. Like it's, it feels like that's where he is. Uh, but I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I don't know if you were going to eventually get to losers of training camp, but like, I mean, it sounds like Spencer Brown's kind of in that mix again. Uh, yeah. And even not so much Deion Dawkins, but I think we're just realizing how important he is that if he doesn't have another if he has like another season where he's trending downward, like last season, like that could be potentially very bad for the Buffalo bills. Um, so I'd say tackles are one of the losers from training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spencer Brown, I mean, I was hoping, so I'm, I'm one of those guys, Fernando, that like, I thought it was kind of a weakness to begin with. And, you know, I listened to what McDermott and, uh, you know, Bean were saying about him, well, you know, he was injured. He didn't have a true, because he had that COVID year and all the things that Anthony mentioned on your podcast last week. So like, I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't proven anything at all yeah. to show that he should absolutely be the starter. So when I was doing mock drafts, like I did not rule out right tackle. If one fell to me, you know, at uh, 24, mm-hmm. whatever the bills pick, like I, w- I was totally in for it depending on, you know, who it was. And if I thought they were a first round talent and it turns out that that still might be the position that, you know, is one of the weakest on the roster. And I think we, I think it was too much was projected on Spencer Brown um, being that right tackle. Like, I mean, if, I mean, there, there's possibilities, like, I don't like saying it, but maybe going right tackle instead of Osiris Torrance in the second round this year, you probably could have gotten a starter at that position. The Bills do not like to give up on rookies. And Joe Marino mentioned this on his podcast. That's why he didn't think the Bills would go linebacker early because somebody on on his show, one of the listeners mentioned, like they don't give up on guys after one or two seasons, especially one season. So like they, they thought that, you know, Terrell Bernard was going to get a shot and he did. They didn't draft anyone until the third round, you know, and the same thing with right tackle. They did not go after right tackle and uh, which would have been, I mean, I kind of wish they had, but Ryan Bates is now one of those things where I consider him potentially if they have to starting for right tackle, if, especially because I was hoping Brandon shell would be a good right tackle replacement, just in case Spencer Brown, you know, struggled again this season. He has experience. I was reading the Dolphins fans, you know, message boards. And they were like, the guy's solid depth. He he played well. We're going to miss him. Like, that's how I that's how I determine if someone's a good free agent, that the Bills are, you know, signing. I look at, like, the other message boards. I look at SB Nation. I look at the Dolphins message boards. Like, you know, as soon as a guy leaves, if, if they're all, like, good, <laughs> great, then I'm just like, ah, oh, man, that stinks. But if they're all, like, you know what? Like, good for him. Like, you know, so then... I was excited for him, but it sounds like he's been awful, not awful, but not exactly great um, so far this camp. So, and then Spencer Brown sounds like he's still got a recurring back issue. I talked with Kyle Trimble from banged up bills last night on, um, on uh, the Buffalo late show podcast on cover one. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, you know, this is a, this is an issue where he had a, a micro Okay, when that's where they remove part of your disc 
that's touching a nerve. And someone like, I actually had two of those in the last year and a half. So like, I know exactly what it's like. I was just trying to walk and sit and stand like normal. So I can't imagine what it'd be like to try to take on Matthew Judon with, you know, that sort of injury. So uh, I, I do have some sympathy for Spencer Brown, but he doesn't have a ton of experience in the position in general from college. He doesn't have a ton of experience like at the NFL level and not a lot of great experience, a lot of successful experience. Um, I was just talking with Anthony, you know, on our podcast this last Thursday, and he's like, it's so funny. We went to training camp, and Spencer Brown on one rep took care of Greg Rousseau, arguably one of the best pass rushers on the Buffalo Bills. And then mm-hmm. the next pass, the next uh, pass blocking rep, it was a one-on-one, he completely, you know, uh, lost on the same exact move to Boogie Basham, mm-hmm. which I don't think anybody that's a Bills fan would argue that Boogie Basham is better than Greg Rousseau. So yeah. it's just like, I, I don't know what it is. It sounds like it's technique. It sounds like it's, you know, uh, I'm just hoping he puts it together. I'm hoping he can put the the injuries and technique behind him. But if not, maybe we have an ace up our sleeve with Ryan Bates because he is one of the few guys on the roster that can play most of the positions. I don't think the Bills want him to because I think they want him to be the backup center. And I think he's going to be the starting right guard or backup interior depth in general in case there's there's an injury. But, uh, I mean, man, like it sounds, it feels like we're out of options at this point. So. Yeah, man, and I'm glad you 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 pointed to that direction because uh, I've been thinking about this since the beginning of training camp, and actually uh, thinking about let's see if they're gonna give him some snaps there. Do you think the the, the coaching staff might be failing Bates again, just like they failed him when they took too long to give him an opportunity for the starters back when he got his first shot with the starters. Do you think they are failing him, not giving him some snaps at the right tackle position? Because, look, Shell isn't really uh, doing anything to, to pop out as a great replacement for Brown. Brown is questionable, no doubt about that. But yeah, McDermott loves him, uh, Bean loves him, and... and and he has all the potential in the world, the athletic ability, and but he's a question mark. Uh, he's a question mark ability-wise, and he's a question mark uh, from the injury standpoint. Just like you said about his back problems, and Bates played right tackle at Penn State. He came to the Bills as a left tackle when the Bills traded for him. He came from the Eagles, right, as a left tackle, and then he started to play left tackle and backup center and then he finally got his shot as a guard man i'd like really to see bates getting some snaps at right tackle because yeah he might not be uh, the ideal right tackle long term but i believe ryan bates is a better football player today than spencer brown or at least a guy who i can trust more than spencer brown so don't you think they should have been using him there already in the training camp and you could maybe see some snaps of Ryan Bates during preseason in, when the, the real game situations arrive? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything you said makes complete sense to me. And from a schematic point of view, from a talent point of view, it absolutely makes sense. And should they, when they brought in Osiris Torrance for right guard, should they have had him maybe playing next to Ryan Bates maybe for right tackle or, you know, getting him some reps there. I'm sure they wanted Osiris Torrance just to get some chemistry between Mitch Morris and Spencer Brown, just in case, just like they got David Edwards, some work in at 
you know, left guard uh, between, you know, Dan Dawkins and Mitch Morris, yes. Uh, but, so we're, stand, we're looking at it from a standpoint of talent, which I 100% agree with you. But one thing that we're not taking into account is the fact that how that would look to Spencer Brown, because they've been treating him kind of like with kid gloves, like defending him at every, which I'm glad they're doing, by the way. Like, you, you have to understand that they don't want to call these guys out unless they think it's an effort issue. Then they'll call them out. They don't want to call them out just for, like, struggles. I mean, they've gone out of their way to defend the guy. To have him step out and lose right tackle reps to another guy, like, that could potentially that could potentially be bad uh, mentally and psychologically to Spencer Brown and maybe the rest of the team. Um, I don't think they treat every player like that, mind you, but I think with that, they just, it's not like they're replacing him with the backup right tackle, like a Questenberry or a Brandon Shell or whatever, right? Like they're, they're not giving away Spencer's Brown reps to those guys. They're giving his reps away to another starter because they think that that other starter would be better than him as a starter. And that just has, it has bad optics. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Would I, would I prefer them to do that? Absolutely. But at the same time, like he does have experience in this, so I'm not as worried. Um, I think Ryan Bates, we were talking about the Jack of all trades, master of none. I just don't think yeah. he stands. I think, I think from the coaching standpoint, they are doing a disservice from him. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think he got into the lineup until there were so many injuries. And then they finally recognized his talent. But like, I, I think Anthony mentioned it really well on your podcast last week is he's like, you know, let's say, he was talking about Terrell Bernard and Tyrell Dodson. Let's say Ty, Ty, Terrell Bernard is like a six and a half out of 10 in like overall and everything, right? Like he's a steady mm-hmm. six and a half out of 10. And then yeah. you have, you know, Tyrell Dodson, who's an eight in like the run, but maybe he's only a four or five in the past. It's like, mm-hmm. but he stands out a lot in those one things. Like maybe Spencer Brown, I mean, he has an incredible RAS score. And I think everyone kind of hangs their head on that, um, his relative athletic score. But like, Ryan Bates just might be that steady guy that's just good at a lot of things, not amazing at any of them. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I agree 100% with you. I'd like to see him. And I would not rule that out. The one of the good things about this coaching staff is, you know, they're willing to admit their mistakes and, you know, find the right guys to play in instead of just saying, you know, we're just going to put this guy in because of draft stats. We're going to put this guy in because of, you know, where he fit. Um, where how much we signed him for. If Connor McGovern is really, really struggling and he turns out to be a liability like Roger Saffold ended up being, I would not be surprised if Ryan Bates goes over to left guard and we see Osiris Torrance at right guard, right guard you know, playing for him. And I'm right, not right. surprised. Or maybe even David Edwards, whoever it is. But yeah. maybe potentially the same thing with Spencer Brown. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Ryan Bates fan. I have that. He's one of those guys that, you know, you cling on to, you, you see like a little bit of a spark and you're like, you know, that guy might be something. And then he finally gets his chance and he does. You know, I, I'm trying to think of other players. He reminds me of maybe like Stevie Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that. Jabari Greer, I remember, was like that, the corner when he finally mm-hmm. got his shot, guys like that. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I agree. They're, they they are kind of doing him a disservice by doing that, but I understand the optics behind it. Awesome. What do you think, Bills Mafia? If you are here live with us or watching in another moment, let comment in the comment section via YouTube so we can know your opinion about not just Ryan Bates, but who are your biggest winners or losers from training camp. Uh, we're going to close it out for a little bit more and then talk preseason. 
A quick pause for our sponsors. So, Nate, to close out the preseason conversation, uh, to, sorry, to the training camp conversation, uh, if the if tomorrow the game were against the Jets and not against the Colts and it, it were week one instead of preseason week one, who would you see as the biggest winners, the guys who really got the job uh, during the these training camps, um, in your opinion? For me, defensively, I already listed Dodson, right? Um, I, I'd like to list it two, both sides, okay? Two defensively, two offensively. And and for me, it's Dodson on the defensive side. I think he really held down that spot and, and didn't allow the Bills to easily make a transition maybe to their favorite guys, the guys who they draft to 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 become the key pieces in, in Edmund's place. So Dodson, for sure is one of the winners and the other one in my opinion dane jackson and for this very same reason as i told about dodson i think dane jackson has played in a so sound way in a so uh right way the way you should play that cornerback spot communi communication wise and and technically wise that even with elon having it's not the case of Bernard who doesn't have game tape and experience at the position but Elon had experience last year playing he had a great game against the Dolphins uh in in the playoffs so Elon kind of earned the job but still he can't pass Dan Jackson because the guy is simply doing everything right so those are my two winners from from training camp in the defensive side of the ball how about yours Yeah, I liked what you mentioned earlier about Tyrell Dotson. I thought that was a good one. Um, Dean Jackson is a great one also because everything you mentioned, like they're trying to give this position away to, you know, the two younger guys, um, and Dean Jackson won't let them. I mean, he's fighting for it. I do think that McDermott does prefer to have veteran corners when he can have them. I mean, it seems like they always try to bring one in, like whether it was Levi Wallace before they brought him back in a one-year deal. They brought in, what is it, Kevin Johnson a few years ago, Josh Norman. Like, they like to have a veteran guy that they can trust on the other side of Tredavious White. So I think that's part of it. But then the other part is, like you said, he's not he's not giving it up. I mean, if 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 Kyir Elam was truly better or Christian Benford were absolutely better – they would be giving them most of the reps. But, I mean, Dean Jackson, he's he's one of those guys, you know, seventh-round guy. He's not giving up. And I, I give him a ton of credit for that. I really like that. One of the winners, um, which I don't think it's talked about a lot, but I just think about it more and more, especially after seeing the depth chart, is Daquan Jones. Um, I'm really excited to have him back. I think he was one of the major reasons why this defense played it as good as it did When they did, I mean, Von Miller obviously is, is a great asset. He's the most important piece of that defensive line for the most part. But I think Daquan Jones is completely underrated. Um, he has had a quiet camp. But if you look at the depth chart, I was thinking it might potentially be between he and uh, Puna Ford at that one-tech defensive tackle spot. And really, I mean, Puna Ford's listed third on the depth chart behind Tim Settle. And I don't yeah. know if that's, again, optics-wise, because they don't want Tim Settle, who's been here longer than Puna Ford, to, to think that he lost that job or whatever. Um, but I always looked at it as, after this season, they only have Ed Oliver signed to a long-term contract. They have no other defensive tackles. 
Uh, Daquan Jones is 33. Puna Ford is 28, I believe. So this is their audition to see who's going to be signed for at least a one or two or three year deal, maybe in Puna Ford's um, contract. Who's going to be the long term guy at that position? And Daquan Jones has not given it up. So kudos to him for that. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does again on this on this Bills defensive line. And uh, and yeah, so on on offense. Oh, I'm sorry. You just wanted defense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but you can move on to offense. No problem. Let's do. The, let's go to the two on the offensive side. No so, problem. So, no. Real quick, though. I mean, besides because you already mentioned two of those guys, and and I I just seconded. Uh -huh. But but AJ Epinesa, it sounds like he's had a really good camp. He's in a contract season. You know, people are mentioning that you know he might be a trade asset. Um, I don't necessarily see that. I think he's he's definitely got enough starting rep potential, and I don't think they're going to get nearly a second rounder for him because he's in a contract year. I mean, what, what are they going to get more, maybe a fourth or fifth rounder at most? So mm -hmm. I don't see them trading him. He's under a cost control contract for one more season for this, for this next season only. Um, but I mean, he's playing a contract year and I think that he's worth, he's worth good depth. Um, and, and I like what, you know, what I've read about him. He's not given up. Um, you know, he's keeping Boogie Basham buried on the depth chart. Um, and so, so, I mean, it, in some aspects, it sounds like he's playing almost to the level of Leonard Floyd. So, um, I know it's going to be most likely Rousseau and Leonard Floyd if Von Miller's out the first, you know, week one. Um, but I mean, AJ Epinesa, again, one of those guys that's, he's not fighting for a vying for a starting role like Dean Jackson, but he's not giving up either. So, um, he is one of my winners though, too. He's just not letting it, he's just not letting go of that, of that, of his position, you know, we're to the point where I think that they're going to eventually cut Shaq Lawson and probably try to stash him on the practice squad because they like A.J. Epinesa so much. So, um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, one of the winners, uh, and, and I think it's kind of a surprise, especially because of the way that Bills fans, like myself too, have been so critical of him, is Gabe Davis. Mm. Uh, I mean, he it looks like he's brought his, his play to another level. Some of that could be a contract year. The fact that he's in a contract year and he's expected to make probably north of 14 to 15 million a year after this. Uh, part of it could be the fact that he's finally healthy after dealing with that ankle sprain all last season. Uh, or it could just be that he took his game to the next level uh, talent wise and just workout wise. I mean, I don't know if you saw that podcast he did um, where it was like a 30, 40 minute video podcast on YouTube for anyone that hasn't seen it. I highly recommend it. It's the most you ever really see about Gabe Davis talking about his life, how he brought up. There was never in his idea, in his mind, there was never a plan B. He's like, my plan always was to succeed in the NFL, no matter what. I didn't come up yeah. with a plan B. It's like that uh, that uh, analogy of of burning your ships, right? So you, mm -hmm. you arrive on shore, you burn your ship, so you can't yeah. go back if things turn south, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's attacked this off season that way. I mean, everyone saw that play he had over Kyir Elam where he just, I mean, he ran an incredible route and he, he left him in his dust. So I, it was really cool to see. I love what he's brought so far in training camp and Hey, he could be, he could be one of the major reasons if the bills make a deep postseason Super Bowl run, his success, I believe is going to be hinged on that along with the slot role and stuff like that. But like he succeeds and he has his best year yet. I think that puts the Bills in the conversation of a Super Bowl, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree, man. That's why I wanted so badly 
uh, DeAndre Hopkins because I really thought like, okay, if you have two weapons like that uh, and you give two weapons like that to Josh Allen, man, he's going to cook. And and if Gabe Davis can play at this level, even better because that's grow uh, in Buffalo talent. Well, talent grown in Buffalo, right? And you can pay him long term and, and keep him uh, as... as Diggs partner and even maybe take over if he can take this next step. Everybody always praise how hard he works and how how really wants to get better. So uh, I'm really excited to see Gabe and and alongside him, I just said Cook and and no pun intended, but <laughs> James Cook, man, James Cook really can take this offense to the next level. So uh, it seems that it seems that he's done his job during training camp and he's has impressed and and I really hope that's the case and he can stay a lot on the field so he can be that that home run hitter out of the backfield yeah I love that you brought up James Cook he was he was going to be my uh my other one too because uh, I mean when was the last time it must have been LaShawn McCoy maybe his second or third seat first through third seasons or something with the Bills before his last season mm-hmm. we haven't had a running back with that kind of speed um, in a long time. And the yeah. fact that you could have a home run threat on any time that he touches the ball, I mean, that gets me going. And he is not – he unlike other position battles that we've talked about, like there was potential if he wasn't playing as well as, as uh, you know, the coaching staff or maybe we would have liked. They might have put in, you know, Damian Harris and gotten him some some first uh, first team reps, maybe more so than they did. So, But he has not given up that job. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does. My only worry is pass blocking because he had a really low pass blocking grade um, last season for the Bills, but he's a rookie. He's smaller. A good offensive coordinator is going to find a way to scheme around that. I don't know if it's a matter of running more 22 personnel instead of 12 personnel or whatnot, but but yeah, no, I, I love James Cook. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does. Um, I like Singletary a lot too, but... I mean, you know, it's great that he makes guys miss, but if you're not a threat to go the distance at any point, like that's such a, I don't know, it kind of puts like a, like those things that you put on an engine so that, you know, it can't go as fast. Like they put on go-karts like governors, right? Yes. That's, that's kind of like what we had the last four or five seasons at running back. And it's not his fault. I mean, it's just the way he was built. I mean, he was great in other aspects, but, um, and I love Devin Singletary, but, um, just every time he touches the ball, like he could go, you know. So um, I would take I would take being able to miss a couple or have a couple of DBs miss some tackles over a guy that could just hit the edge and just take off. So um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm glad you said him because I agree with that one. Yeah, Marcel mentioned here. I think Latavius Murray had a good camp. It seems that he's been taking advantage of uh, uh, the growing opportunities, right? Because that's a guy who was kind of stuck behind Harris and even. Even like in Heinz and with Heinz Niels and and now Harris being a little bit shaken up, uh, Murray is showing that he's still he's still got some some gas in that tank, right? Yes, yes. I I'm glad he brought up Latavius Murray because it's funny. I was thinking more like first second teamers and and for all intents and purposes, I know Damian Harris technically. I mean, he has youth on his side and he has a higher ceiling on his side. But I love Latavius Murray. I had on one of the Buffalo Rumblings staff writers, Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy does the 90 players in 90 days article. Yeah. 
on buffalorumblings.com. And Sean's a super great guy to talk to. Um, and he was, I was asking him that question. I'm like, who's a guy that you have under the radar that you've been writing about that you're kind of like, you know what, this guy could be something. And he mentioned Latavius Murray, but even before the Naheem Hines injury. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, listen, he's like, he's 33 years old, but he's also six foot three, 230 pounds. Like he, he's, he's a monster of a guy. And you don't think about that necessarily with Latavius Murray, but like he does have pass catching ability. He was used in that role a lot when he was with uh, the Raiders. I mean, the guy, he doesn't have age on his side, but his last game with the Broncos, he had over 110 yards, I believe, on like 13 carries against mm-hmm. the San Diego Chargers, or the Los Angeles Chargers, which the Los Angeles Chargers were vying for a playoff spot so, or for a better seed or whatever. So they were playing Justin Herbert. So it's not like they wanted to lose that game. And they ended up losing that game um, to the Broncos. The Broncos won that game. But Latavius Murray, I don't think he's done at all. And I think he could potentially like play for that role, especially with Damian Harris's injury history. So uh, I do love that. I love that he brought that up. And I think that that's, that's a guy that we could see getting some work in either depending on injuries. I, I expect him to make the roster too. Yeah, me too, man. And especially when you, when you think about a big guy like that as a running back, you think, okay, that guy maybe doesn't have the speed. But when Latavius Murray was younger, he was really fast guy despite being big. I remember when he was still with the Vikings, he had a crazy combo of speed and size. And even if he has lost a step by now at 33 years old, he's still pretty fast for his size. So that's a, an amazing combination to have, especially as a, a compliment to James Cook, a guy that big that can really hunt hard. Uh, it's interesting. And I'm looking forward to watching him during season. So, uh, Quick break for the sponsors. So, Nate, preseason is starting this Saturday. You'll be there watching, right? Taking your son there to have the first experience of watching the Bills. And lucky him, because I still couldn't go. But I will. I will. One day I will, man. It will happen. Yeah, anyway. you, let me know, you let me know when you want to come up, and I'll try to get tickets to that game, Fernando. Um, awesome. Just so, awesome. We can, just so we can tailgate together and, uh, for and hang sure. out for sure. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, it's, a, it's the only preseason game in Buffalo this season. There's only three preseason games anymore because of the 17-game schedule. So this yeah. is the only one that's in Buffalo. It's a kids' day game, so they started, like, 9.30 in the morning um, with, uh, you know, doing, you know, kids' day activities. You get to take pictures with Billy Buffalo. Um, awesome. my, son's seven, my son's seven years old, so he doesn't, you know, he watches games with me, but he's still, you know, it's still young. It's hard for mm-hmm. a kid that age to really keep concentration for three hours a day. Uh, but it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple of my my favorite moments. And I and I have two children. My, my daughter is actually, who's four years old, is going to come with us too because we were actually able to get a couple more tickets. So I'm really excited that she can come. My wife's coming. Like, this is going to be a fun family experience. Do I expect the kids to stay there until the fourth quarter? Absolutely not. We're probably going to leave by like the second or third quarter just because of, you know, timing and, you know, it's a lot for the kids. But um, one of my favorite memories as a father was uh, when, so my son's seven, he was two years old, and my wife's one brother is a huge Bills fan, but the other brother is a huge Dolphins fan. Of, oh, of my course, God. Right? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I, I want to I disown him, trust me. No, uh, he's, he's super cool, though. Like, he's one of those cool Dolphins fans. He's like, yeah, we suck, or, you know, like, ah, you know, we'll see. You know, he's, he's 
definitely not like the in-your-face Dolphins fan. So I definitely appreciate it. We always joke around. But his joke when my son was two would be at family gatherings. He'd be like, go Dolphins. And my son who was two would just, you know, just go along with everything. You could tell him, you know, you know, daddy's terrible or whatever. Like mommy's terrible. And he would have just, if he was smiling and said it, he'd agree with you. (laughs) And so he used to say like, you know, they'd be like, go Dolphins. And he'd be like, go Dolphins. (laughs) And my proudest moment, and I never said anything because I'm like, whatever. Like, you know, he's two. I'm not going yeah. to say, you know, just let him have fun. They're just doing it just to have fun, you know. But in the back of my head, like, I'm kind of stewing a little bit. I won't ever admit to them. I was stewing a little bit like, you know, I, I don't like you doing that. But okay, I'm going to let it fly. It's just fly, right? When he became, I think it was three or four, they tried to pull the same stunt with him if family get together. He'd be like, oh, no. He's like, no, not go Dolphins, go Bills. And without me even prompting or saying anything and it was kind of cool kind of cute you know like to see awesome. that yeah. transition from him being it's funny my I, I tell this story i probably haven't told the story in years on the podcast but when we found out that we were having my son um it's because he was our firstborn we took my parents out to breakfast one day and we're like oh you know we're pregnant they're like oh that's so awesome congratulations they're like oh have you thought about you know religion and stuff like that i'm like well we haven't you know 100% figured out exactly what we're going to do with religion, but he's going to be a Bills fan. He's going to be a Bills fan. <laughs> That's going to be one of one of the religions that we definitely bring him up on. So uh, to much to my, like, 70-year-old parents' <laughs> dismay, my Catholic 70-year-old parents, they were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I, <laughs> like... It's, it's funny that it is a religion. You know, that's one of the cool things about it. I've been able to, you know, communicate with you and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun experience. Bill's Mafia is a cool community. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to share this experience with him. At a place and I, I was around seven when I, I actually met the Bills, you know, via Super Bowl. So I was yeah. around the same age as your son right now. And I was like, oh, I love the charging Buffalo, the colors and... Thurman Thomas running around. That was what popped me, popped oh, out yeah. to me, you know, and, and I hope your your son can, well, that's a preseason game, but still, I hope he can see somebody doing some awesome stuff and he can relate to it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's what I'm hoping too. It's just the experience, just because, you know, he's like, oh, I don't really know if I want to go to a game, like he says, basically, but he doesn't know what it's like. Like, it's just, um, and Fernando, have you ever been to a Bills game at all or no? No, not at all. Just okay. TV, man. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so, so one thing I'll say is that like the TV experience, of course I'm, you know, 40 now. So like TV experience is, is, is still really good. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I could get season tickets again because where I live, I live in the Rochester area, which is like an hour outside Buffalo. So you're talking like a 12 hour Sunday, right? So, and then like we always podcast Sunday nights and that always takes a couple of hours. So you're talking me dedicating like 14 hours to the Buffalo bills, which, you know, I love, but it gets tiring after a while. So I would recommend going to one or two games, like to anyone that hasn't been to one, just to be like, you know, it's an experience, but let me tell you, man, like, um, I've been to, I have never been to a big college game like Michigan versus Ohio State mm-hmm. or anything like that, but I've been to Major League Baseball games. I've been to um, hockey games, like really cool hockey games, NHL games. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all really cool experiences, but there's there's nothing like a Bills game. And I hope you definitely get to experience it someday soon because just the energy of the crowd is something that you just can't experience because, I mean, Bills Mafia is just another breed 
of yeah. being a football fan. And uh, and it, it feels like, I mean, people have, you know, talked about getting, uh, friends of mine have had seats like in those indoor box, indoor boxes. And I'm like, no, I don't think I would even want that because you have to open up the window just to hear the crowd. Like, I want to be yeah. in the crowd. I want to feel it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, no, it's a, it's a cool experience, you know, just – you know the anthem you know the the fly you know the uh flybys and stuff like that like that's it's a cool experience the fireworks all that stuff um so so yeah there's definitely something to be said from watching it from the couch for sure not paying 50 dollars a beer for sure like that's <laughs> great. um just going over to my fridge uh but but there's something so cool about it so i i mean i hope you get to experience it if you do let me know i'll i'll meet you there or whatever um, I'll bring my co-hosts along with us because we're always looking for an excuse to, to go to a game. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's I'm I'm excited to share that with my family. I'm excited. It's almost like a rite of passage, really. You know. Yeah, so. it's gonna happen. Sometimes it's gonna happen, and I'm glad you you mentioned the fans, the the different vibes in the Bills games and and the beer because I have a a quick uh, a quick uh, I have a quick uh video here to show you uh from jay space the king james pence have has one quick message for you sorry that was the, the word was, that was missing the, a quick message for you uh about the home opener right right around the the home before the home opener against the raiders quick message for jay space the king bills mafia is back are you ready for it? The third annual Buffalo Rumblings IPA beer release party is going down September 16th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Resurgence Brewing Company located downtown at 55 Chicago Street. I'm going to tell you what, you do not want to miss this event. Come out and hang with Joe, Sarah, and the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings crew for the Megapod. You're going to want to bring your questions and be a part of the live stream. Get involved. It's going to be live. And this year, we're also going to have our friends from Fans of Buffalo joining the party and sponsoring the fun. They're going to be in the house to provide you with all the information you need to make your away game day experience the easiest and the most smooth that you've ever had in your life. I can promise you, they, they do their job very well. So make sure you make it out Saturday, September 16th, 6 p.m., Resurgence Brewing Company, 55 Chicago Street. Go Bills! So they, this this home opener is will be even even cooler than the regular experience going to a home game. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about home opener. Like, I think that's what is that the Raiders game, right? I think yeah, yeah. Ra Sorry, the the Raiders game. Yeah, I was I was like messing up. My bad. No, no, I no, no. No, you're good. You're good, man. Jeez, you talk you talk better than I do, and, and English is my native language. So, so dude, you're 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 good. Um, I appreciate. That is, <laughs> I joked around with my co-host like we should buy season tickets just so that we could sell like the first game and probably make back half of our money because that is by far. I mean, the weather's beautiful. Um, I what Western New York has some of the most beautiful summers of anywhere in the entire world. That's why you always see, in the country, I should say, that's why you always see, like, players coming into training camp. They'll be like, wow, I didn't know it was this nice. Uh -huh. so, did you expect snow in July? You know? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we have amazing summers, and, you know, it's still summertime until the end of September. So, like, those first few games, um, season opener is going to be amazing. Um, the weather's going to be great for tailgating. I mean, people are going to be wearing tank tops. It's going to be an incredible time. 
Um, it's one of the best games to go to. The energy is going to be incredible. But it's going to be interesting to see with the season opener how the Bills do against the Jets because I think that's going to dictate the season or at least how Bills fans are because there's a little bit of a hangover with Bills Mafia and how that last season or that last game ended from the playoffs of the Bengals. So uh, I, I did a poll and we did a podcast about it where we talked about, excuse me, the uh, there's still kind of a hangover. And like 60% of Bills fans from a poll I did on Twitter were saying there's still a bit of a hangover from last season, yeah. which is crazy because I just did that a couple of weeks ago. Training camp had already started. And like I would have guessed 20 or 30% maybe, but the majority yeah. of Bills fans are dealing with that. And so if that season opener doesn't go well against the Jets in New Jersey, I mean, that might spiral out of control, you know, for a minute. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. Yeah. And, man, to close it out, I don't want to take too much of your time. Our time is running out also. So uh, despite me needing to pay attention to your, your kids, obviously, and, and enjoying the experience with, with them, I'm sure you'll be paying attention to the game and especially to some – some question marks that we still have and the competitions that are going to happen during this preseason game. So what are the keys? What are the, the places where your eyes, Nate, will be more focused during this game against the Colts? So uh, to be honest, I probably won't be watching my kids at all during this game. I'm just going to be watching. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> the good thing about kids' days, there's no alcohol being served. So I'll be, I'll be like a little bit less... <laughs> <laughs> less likely that you know something rowdy is going to go on in my section but um yeah. i'm going to be honestly like I'll, I'll be paying attention to i mean the depth chart should probably stand out the most you know i mean that's probably where guys are going to line up so um i'm going to be paying attention to like the big plays by both the bills or the colts and seeing who's responsible for them either good or bad like you know, and I'll probably end up rewatching it after on NFL Plus or whatever because, you know, I'm I'm looking for those guys to stand out because the red and blue scrimmage is great. Um, if you can even call it a scrimmage anymore, it sounds like it's more just like another padded practice. Um, you hear things in training camp, but again, none of those are game simulated situations where you're truly playing against 11 on 11 in front of a full stadium. That's where you get the people, the 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 athletes that end up becoming clutch that show out in those circumstances. And then you have the guys that kind of are good during training camp, the kind of turtle in those moments. So I'm going to be looking for both of those extremes one way or the other to see, you know, if, if we get some light uh, shed on some of these positional battles and then, you know, those, so those I'll definitely be paying attention to the most of positional battles, but also like I'm going to be looking for those Dane Jackson's, those Stevie Johnsons, those guys that are under the radar guys, like Balen Spector last year, I would call as one of those guys who who looked like he was pretty good. By the way, I'm thinking he's going to get some more snaps now that Terrell Bernard is going to be out for a week or two. So um, I'm going to be watching him. I'm going to be watching any of those guys that could flash at any position, whether it's Andy Isabella at the slot, you know, later on. I'm looking for, you know, guys that are looking terrible if nobody can block for Kyle Allen or they're always getting around the right side or the left side. Like I'm going to be paying attention to that guys that are dropping balls when passed to like, I'm going to be paying attention to all of the, the plays that stand out and who is either responsible for them negatively or positively. Now, am I going to base my whole preseason or my whole outlook on them? No, you don't just like practice to practice things that you read observations. I'm not going to put, but I'm going to be looking at that and noticing them 
and making mental notes of them. And I'm going to talk about them on our podcast Sunday night, which will air Monday afternoon, where we do our sweet, sassy, molassy plays of the game. We're going to go over our wall of famers and wall of shamers from that game. You know, it's kind of like our preseason prep for the podcast, the post-game podcast. But, um, yeah, that's what I'm going to look for, players and plays that stand out, good or bad, and uh, and just make some mental notes of it and, and see where it goes. Awesome, man. Yeah, Kali Blitz is, uh, Bills is saying, I want to see a running game. And, and uh, I totally agree. And I, I'm really, not just the players, but I want to see, since Josh and Diggs aren't playing on the offensive side, I really want to see ju not just a running game, but I want to see the, the offense being able to execute well, you know, this uh, no matter if it's Kyle Allen or if it's Matt Barkley running the show. Uh, I don't expect to see a lot of awesome big plays by them like Josh does, but obviously, but I expect them to be able to at least execute and, and move the, the offense in a right way. How, how maybe Dorsey's going to call the shots and how he's going to call the plays. I, I'm really curious to see if the offense can stay consistent and march downfield consistently, having a nice run game and, and executing well. And obviously then see those wide receivers. Sheffield has been a big talk of the, one of the big talks of the training camps. If you can um, continue that during preseason, I, I think I, I've heard less than I expected but, uh, about short. So maybe, he can start to to show up during this this yep. preseason too. So those are some things that I, I'd like to see on offense, and on the on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Marcel mentioned, and he actually asked us if we noticed it, tactical changes on the defensive side during training camp. Uh, it's been reported about McDermott being more trying to be more aggressive, showing more uh, pressure looks, and maybe dropping out of it or sending the heat and. So I'm curious to see how he's going to uh, introduce it or install this kind of game plan to the defense. It's precision, it's vanilla, but you might be able to see a little bit of that and how Dodson can be in command of this defense. So those are the main things that I'm really looking forward to start uh, watching tomorrow. Uh, what do you think about that, Nate? So you can close it out and we can close today's leading the charge. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Kelly Bills said about seeing a running game. I mean, that would be, I mean, we always talk about the weapons around Josh Allen. We didn't even mention, you know, Dalton Kincaid this episode. We didn't talk about Dawson Knox. I mean, we, we didn't mention that Stefan Diggs is having a great training camp. There's so many storylines, right? Um, but I'm excited to see what they can do with the running game. I mean, Anthony from Cover One mentioned, like, the 12 personnel and what exactly they can do with that. Um, I don't expect them to run a lot of that because I feel like they're going to save that for the regular season. But just the ability to even run vanilla concepts, right? Like, I want to see them be able to run the ball. They were efficient at it last season. They just didn't do it a whole lot. Um, and that may have been because they didn't do it a whole lot. But I'm excited to see what they can do to run the ball because uh, taking anything off Josh Allen's shoulders – um, instead of making him feel like he has to win the game, which I think is where he falters the most is when he feels like he has to do it all. And sometimes he has to, but it'd be nice to have a running game threat so that he doesn't have to. You know, it'd be nice to give him a, a slot option over the middle so he doesn't, you know, so he feels like he can just do that to Dalton Kincaid, you know, five times a drive for six or eight yards each, each for a pop. You know, it's, 
Um, I definitely want to see the run game. I want to see James Cook out there. I want to see Latavius Murray. I want to see Damian Harris. I want to see Darrington Evans get some run out there. Um, I'm excited to see that this might be the best, you know, run game that the Bills have had in a while. So um, defensively, though, tactically, definitely the aggressiveness. So I think that's that's a that's a good point. Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to. I think a lot of what the Bills did the past seven seasons or whatever it was since Leslie Frazier took over was he did a lot of like, this is who we are. You know, we're going to show, we're going to have some game planning and some strategic planning, but this is who we are. We're nickel defense. You know, we're going to disguise some coverages, but you're just going to have to prove that you can beat us. I think McDermott is going to take it from a standpoint of we're going to, we're going to show you that we can beat you, but we're also going to game plan for you in a very specific manner so that we're going to disguise coverages. And we're not just going to do it, you know, 20% of the time. Like if you're, if you're a good offense, we're going to do it like 50, 60% of the time. And you're not going to go, you're going to, we're going to show man and it's going to be zone. We're going to show zone and it's going to be man. And you're not going to know what to do. So uh, I'm really excited for McDermott to take over that, that role. Um, I'm worried about what it's going to do to his, coaching strategies and schemes i don't I'm, I'm hoping that eric washington can help him out with that during the game um when that comes to but like yeah definitely the aggressiveness and i mean you're talking about a bill's top five offense and it sounds like the defense made them look pretty silly in the red and blue game so uh i'm i'm looking for that i'm looking for him to not just look at like this is who this guy is like i'm looking for him to change personnel out and strategies out based on who they're playing game in and game out and quarter in and quarter out, depending on what's working and what's not working. So the ability to, you know, never be, never hardline what you're going to do and always be flexible in your thinking and your game planning. So I'm, I, I think that's what you're going to see um, with the Buffalo Bills. You might not see Taylor Rapp take a snap on some of these games and some of these other games, you might see him in the box for 30% of the game, you know, like you, you just uh-huh. don't know. So I think McDermott's going to take all these chess pieces and use them to his advantage. Um, whenever he sees that he wants to go to like uh, a front, which I've been banging the table for forever. Like a, like a, uh, I, I, I was on another pod. Um, it was the uh, wandering Buffalo podcast where you have, you know, at Oliver as your defensive tackle pass rusher, you move, you know, Greg Rousseau in a defensive tackle. You have, you know, Von Miller on one side, Leonard Floyd on the other side. And uh, I just came up with a nickname. It's kind of stupid, but the four horsemen of the Sackopolis, right? Like just, just <laughs> taking in that, just, just a full, full out sack package. Like that's what I yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, and they've kind of been hesitant to do that, but I'd like to see them just do that a lot more or bring them five defensive linemen for once, you know, like bring in Daquan Jones. I think Daquan Jones can get some pressure too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. And, and I think Bill's fans should be really uh, excited about the aggressiveness that they'll see. Sure, it might lead to a few more big plays, but, you know, we'll, maybe we'll finally be able to just stomp out teams when we should and, uh, and yeah. not keep them in the game longer than they need to be. Absolutely. Nate, I really appreciate you taking our time, man. We could talk forever if you wanted, right? <laughs> uh, it, uh, the time flew by and, and I just want to... Thank you for taking your time, coming and 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 giving me the opportunity to have this awesome episode. I really appreciate. It. I'm sure Bills Mafia appreciate too. Please hit that like button, subscribe to Buffalo Rumblings channel, follow Circling the Circling the podcast too on Twitter, and enjoy your game. Enjoy the game tomorrow, brother. I hope you have a great time with your family there, 
and the Bills can can show us some positive signs going to the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be one of those weird people that wants them to go three and zero in the preseason, but uh, <laughs> you know, in the end, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, we talked about the things you know I'm going to be looking for. The one thing that I that I care the most about is that we don't sustain any major injuries, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Tyrell Dotson could look terrible or whatever. The offensive line could look in shambles. Just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. You know, yeah. like let's let's just let's just hope we have an injury-free game. But no, thank you, Fernando. Thanks for. Um, asking me to come on. I got to have you on my show sometime. You know, it's funny. Like, I, and I appreciate everyone that, you know, commented in the chats that, you know, is listening, liking, subscribing, all that stuff. Like that does not get lost on me. I was, we were circling the wagons was the first podcast on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. So this is our seventh year doing it. Um, so awesome. it's been a, it's been a while and uh, it's been a fun ride. We went from having, you know, thinking it was cool that, you know, 10, 15 people were listening to us or cared that we had to say or anything that we had to say into growing to what it is today. So it's been a fun ride. And, you know, you're, you're one of the best examples of like continuing on that and helping us grow more and become, you know, better and, you know, uh, helping us, you know, drive us to, to want to achieve more and, uh, and continue this. Like, it's a good culture. It's a good culture. We have a Buffalo rumbling. So your evidence of that and, uh, appreciate, you know, you asking me to come on and, just talk bills, man. It's one of my favorite things to do. Absolutely. And the doors are always wide open so you can come back and talk bills here. No doubt. Uh, I, I actually count on you on being back so we can have nice chats and talk our bills, all right? <laughs> that sounds good, man. Go bills. Appreciate it. Go bills. Thank you, Bills Mafia. See you next Sunday. I'll be back uh, in Portuguese live talking the, the preseason game. And right after the live uh podcast in portuguese i will record the the podcast for for the the podcast aggregators in english the my reaction to the game so next sunday leading the charges back thank you so much for taking your time being with us see you around go bills Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.